This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're remembering the life of John Jenkins, the former mayor of Lewiston and Auburn from the class of 1974. Former track and field and football teammates and coaches reflect on what he meant to Bates and to the community as a whole. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. John Jenkins passed away last week at the age of 68. The beloved Bates alum made his mark in the Twin Cities as the first black mayor of Lewiston. He also served as the mayor of Auburn and was inducted into the World Martial Arts Hall of Fame as well as the Maine Sports Hall of Fame. When he was a student at Bates, Jenkins played on the football team and was a sprinter for the track and field program. Bob Littlefield, from the class of 1975, was teammates with John on both squads. It was someone who made an indelible impression right, uh, right away. Uh, you know, for, like first was his physical presence, which was impressive, to say uh, to say the least. John was a John was a uh, a physical specimen as a uh, as a young man, uh, you know, because of his participation in athletics and martial arts, and uh, so he was he was impressive, um, but he was. Uh, he was uh, boisterous, positive, funny, uh, and wanting to get to know everyone. And uh, so it made it really easy for uh, for all of us to get to know uh, to get to know John right away. Uh, his uh, his laugh was uh, infectious. It was uh, unmistakable, um, and he laughed a lot. And uh, and he uh, he. He saw humor in in just about everything. So uh, yeah, no, that was and that was that was during our uh, our uh, football double sessions before before school opened up. You know that we were uh, we were on campus by ourselves. And he he I read an article in the Bait Student. He wrote he laughed about his maybe lack of football skill. He he said he was a member of the team, not a player. He, apparently, he rode the bench according to him. Based on the article I read, what do you remember about him on the football team? Well, we played the same, but we played a similar position. We were both offensive backs. So we spent a lot of time together at practice. He was a committed player, didn't get a lot of, uh, you know, a whole boatload of playing time, but still just a, just a great, great guy to have on the team. Absolutely. So you spent a lot of time like in position meetings and stuff like that with him then probably, right? In terms of. Oh yes. Position meetings. Uh, I mean, we did our, we, we did the same drills together every day. We spent a lot of time together and, uh, and then once, uh, once football season was over, um, then the uh, really like, it seemed like the following Monday we were there, we were there for track practice at the, uh, in the old cage and uh we spent a lot of time together then because we ran the same events. Sure. I know Walt Savinsky was known for getting guys from other sports to come out for track. How did that kind of go from your perspective for, for you and John? Walt recruited us both as, uh, as track athletes. So we had a, uh, we had a, we had a connection with coach Slavinsky, uh before we, before we both even arrived on campus. So, uh, so I think even during that football season, we, uh, we both knew that we were going to, that, uh, we'd be together for track and field. Great. And I know you shared some memories on the, uh, Sons of Walt Slavinsky Facebook page about John take us through some of those real vivid memories. You have different stories you have 
Oh God, there's a there's a lot there there's a lot that we uh, you know we spent a lot of time uh, in the cage um, doing uh, doing workouts in the weight room together uh, in the locker room. We spent a, we spent a lot of time, and I just remember just doing a lot of laughing, uh, doing a lot of busting each other's chops. He was someone who would not take himself too seriously. That's a, to, to say the least. That one story that's that's really legendary about him is when we went to Vermont. And um, we traveled all the way, uh, all the way across New Hampshire and into Vermont. We stayed at a hotel in Burlington, and uh, somehow, and this is kind of a mystery, some, uh, uh, somehow uh, John uh, got left behind at the hotel and had to find his way to uh, to uh, the UVM Fieldhouse for the uh, for the meet. And then, so we ran the meet, and we're done, and we're on the bus on the way home. And it's a long long ride from Burlington to Lewiston uh, on on route two but really just about every seven or eight minutes from the back of the bus you would hear John and I, I, I can hear him now way the hell up in Vermont that's where I was left behind way the hell up in Vermont and you know it's it's dark and everybody's tired and and uh, and trying to catch some sleep, but you couldn't because every seven or seven or eight minutes we heard that from John, um, and uh, and so we laughed about it uh, for years and years and years about that day. I know John also was very. Um, I mean, he had a remarkable career after Bates. Obviously, the first the black mayor of Lewiston, also the mayor of Auburn at one point. So he, but he was very involved. I know um, in social justice uh, movements and and whatnot, right? I mean, what do you remember about that side of him, kind of? I, I remember him being an activist on campus, and I like to say that yes, he was the mayor of Lewiston and he was the mayor of Auburn, but he was absolutely the mayor of Bates College for all the time that he was on he was on campus. He was the mayor. I mean, he knew everybody. Everybody knew him. Uh, and uh, and he was committed to that community of uh, of the Bates College campus. So he started an Afro American uh, activist group on uh, on campus and uh, and got many many of the uh, of, uh, Af African American students to join. They sponsored events. They sponsored speakers. Um, you know, he really he really saw it as kind of a a mission of his to. Um, to, you know, bring that sense of social justice to the campus. In terms of, uh, I guess, you, you said he's, he was the mayor of Bates. Uh, it's just because his personality was such that he was impossible to, to ignore, I suppose, right? I mean, he was... Impossible to ignore. But I, I, again, his, I, again, his physical presence, his personality, uh, his, co his commitment to the campus, the way he wanted to know everyone, um, that yeah, he was the uh, he uh, he was the mayor. Professors um, loved uh, interacting with him, and uh, he made quite an impression. Martial arts was something else he was very involved in, right? Do you oh. know what he did with that and everything in college? Sure, and he did a demonstration. He he organized uh, a, a martial arts demonstration in uh, in alumni gym. And people knew kind of what he what he did that that was kind of a sideline, but um, he 
when he was out in the middle of the floor and there was quite a crowd at, at alumni gym and he's breaking boards and doing these things with this, with this sword. I think that that was like his, uh, his specialty. And, uh, and you, you could, you could hear jaws dropping when they were watching him do it. And they were watching him do this. It was so impressive. During a track meet was he, he must have been pretty inspiring just for different events and whatnot, just being on your side and everything, I imagine, right? During track meets. He was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Very supportive. He interacted with all the uh, with all the weight throwers. Um, he uh, he interacted with all the with all the distance runners. He and uh, John Emerson, who was uh, who was our captain one year and uh, uh, and for for quite a while, the Bates record holder in the one mile run. He and he and John Emerson, they just had a great friendship and they were they were both really big personalities, really big. And so uh, it was very entertaining to watch the to watch the two of them interact in that environment. It was awesome. John Jenkins was a sprinter, right? But he would come back to alumni meet and apparently he did a cross country alumni meet one year or something like I saw something about that. So he, he, he was willing to try something else, I guess, after he graduated. I suppose, right? He came back and, uh, and uh, yeah, for, uh, for, for John, when we were, uh, when we were running 200 meters was his limit. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was his, that, that was his limit. But uh, coach did talk him into uh, into participating in the alumni cross country race. He, you know, he was lucky to survive that. <laughs> right, right. Well, I guess any other thoughts you wanted to share about uh, John in terms of um, anything we didn't get to discuss about what you wanted to you know share in terms of you know fond memories and whatnot. Yeah, you know, um, uh, I was really taken aback by the news of his uh, of his passing and. Uh, I got to thinking there are there, there are a select few people who you know were placed on this earth by God for a purpose. John was one of them, and uh, and it's and, and his purpose was pre was pretty clear was to uh, make the world a better place and to make people feel better about themselves and and he did that and uh, it's just a, sh a shame. Uh, that he's gone, and uh, I'm really going to miss seeing him when I got when I return to campus. And uh, his presence was was really felt by everybody that knew him. John Emerson, from the class of 1973, became fast friends with Jenkins during his time as a Bobcat. I uh, started at Bates in 1969. Uh, I was recruited uh, not for my scholastic prowess, but for the fact that I could put one leg in front of the other rather quickly by Walt Slavinsky, who was, a, who was an icon back then and still is. But uh, um, so I, uh, I met John through my track escapades because he was a track teammate of mine, a sprinter. Uh, and I was a middle distance runner at the time. And so we started our relationship um, at that point in time. Um, my freshman year, uh, I was... Uh, housed at John Bertram Hall, I believe, which may still exist. My sophomore year, I was housed at uh, Elm Street and then 51 Nichols Street because I got married at the tender age of 19 and graduated with two children. So I was off campus, but still a really strong part of campus, uh, again, through my athletic uh, endeavors and the fact that because of my lack of scholastic ability, I never cut a class. So I was always around. But that's where John and I met. 
what what most stood out about him you know when you met him and like i mean because i've talked to people big personality um what what about him you know made you such good friends right off the bat seems like he was really larger than life because of his personality i think when when you first met and we were introduced uh he just became immediately became your friend um without really knowing you and then over time um, you were able to feel comfortable with him, and he was a great communicator. You'd talk and discuss things, and and it became really apparent that uh, he was a quality guy, and and he uh, could also see all those qualities in you. And so we just struck it off. He had a great uh, a great personality and a great sense of humor, and uh, was was very early on um, clearly um, you could see he was going to be a really really good friend, and he was. What are some stories you still remember to this day that kind of, you know, epitomize who he was? Any specific stories you remember? I remember more now in my years since graduation about the personalities and not about the, the, uh, the, the competition or what we did or didn't do on the field of endeavor. But, but it was uh, – John was always a, uh, a tremendous cheerleader, and it didn't make any difference to John where you finished or how well you did or where he finished or how well he did. He was always positive and upbeat. And I think it was that part of his personality which helped me at my tender age of 18 or 19 to begin to put competition and school and all that stuff in perspective. I think when you, when I was recruited to go to Bates, I again was recruited because of my ability to run, not my ability to be able to, to uh, uh, to uh, accomplish things in the scholastic realm. And so I felt a tremendous amount of pressure to succeed and to uh, perform and to continue to perform. And it became, in, in many cases, because you're so competitive, it can almost overwhelm you. And I think John Jenkins was the kind of guy that would help you put all of that in perspective such that winning and losing didn't make as much of a difference as it did the friendships and, and the experiences you had. I know that when my little daughter... Heather was born in 1971. She graduated the class of 1993 from Bates. She also helped me put things in perspective the same way because she didn't care whether dad won or lost. She just really uh, loved it when he got home and took me for who I am. And I think John was the same way. And so I think without him knowing it and without us knowing it, I'm looking back over my shoulder now, he was able to help put things in perspective and it really helped make, make me believe that it was the friendships and the relationships and how you, you know, how you handled winning and losing that, that really mattered. So he, great, great guy that way. He's also quite into martial arts. I've heard some stories about a presentation he did at Alumni Gym. Were you there for that, uh, the demonstration? No, but he, I think I was, I remember a demo, because he, he used to come out and do those remotely. I can remember being at a demo that he did. John was a sprinter and built like a brick wall. He was really in tremendous shape. And the kind of, the kind of guy that, it was just, um, it didn't seem like he was in the weight room all the time, but he was just a tremendously um, fit and in shape individual. And uh, I, I think that those martial arts sort of um, fit well with his personality because I think it takes a lot of self-discipline, a lot of concentration, a tremendous amount of skill. And he had, he had all of that. It's not, nothing I wanted to get involved in, but you could certainly, you could certainly appreciate it because those sorts of pursuits followed him long after he graduated from Bates. Whereas once I got done in 1973, my running career ended and I didn't uh, compete anymore uh, 
at all. But John was able to continue to pursue those sorts of things and also to teach and to, to learn. I did a little bit of coaching and teaching my first four years out of Bates, but he, he, he pursued that martial arts and to his advantage and everybody else who he had his students' advantage for a long period of time. And it was, uh, I'm sure he was a great guy to uh, have as an instructor. Yeah, and then years later, he came back and obviously became uh, the mayor, the first black mayor of Lewiston. After that, became the mayor of Auburn. Um, I mean, what does that say about, you know, what, you know, in terms of what he was able to do, you know, as a citizen of this of this world, basically, of, of, and also of the Twin Cities specifically? Well, I think, again, looking back over your shoulder, I think at the time, because we were so young and didn't think in those terms necessarily, John had all the prerequisite skill sets to, to make him succeed the way he succeeded in the civic and political world. Uh, he had a tremendous personality, very articulate. He spoke well on his feet, had great self-confidence. But most importantly, he loved people and he loved representing people. And I think as I look back and I down here in Gorham, I pursued a little bit of a political career as well. And, and to look up to the Lewiston-Auburn area and see that John was succeeding in that realm was not a surprise to me at all because he had all the prerequisite skill sets that make for a really quality uh, politician and representative. And, and I think you look at it from today's perspective and through the lens of what we're seeing things go on now, there should be, hopefully, there can be, hopefully there will be more people like John Jenkins that find themselves into the world of politics and, and, and representative government because he was just a class act and he's what really I think a politician should be. Someone that really cared for the people he represented and uh, um, and demonstrated it on a daily basis. I, I, I thought, thought the world of him. Yeah, really did. Were, um, were you able to keep in touch kind of because you were both kind of in the main um, area in terms of, and also in, in similar realms, it sounds like? You know, we, we weren't except for uh, the occasional, I would, he would come, I worked in the greater Portland area for the entirety of my career. And on occasion, John would find himself in, in Portland on either business or doing some stuff downtown. And we'd bump into each other at a coffee shop or whatever. And it was always like we'd never, uh, we'd never left. He was always tremendously glad to see you. Um, um, we, we, we had a great time recollecting our, our years on, uh, at Bates and like, like, like we all do. But uh, no, I'd, I think we got both got so busy, like a lot of us do. You'd think that the, the town of Gorham or Lewiston Auburn was 150,000 miles away from Bates because you get so busy in your life yeah. You begin to get separated from, and, and so having a young family like I did and going to work and getting busy and doing all that stuff, I didn't get back to campus as much as I probably should have or would have liked to, but I was connected to him um, in that realm. And also my sister, Sarah, uh, was a purchasing agent and ran the bookstore at Bates for 35 years. So she always kept me in touch with a lot of my former peeps, including John, and 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 would, would share stories of him with me and, and just hi, hellos, and that sort of thing. But we kind of let our own lives in our own realm. But, but I, and I think bottom line is you, you never forget the type of a person that, that John Jenkins was and, and, and you never forget the experiences you had with him. And I always had great memories. I'm very, very, very surprised to hear that, uh, that he passed at 68 because here I am 69 years old and um, we're, all getting, we're all getting a little long in the tooth, but we, we hate to see he should have, a fellow like him should have lived a lot longer, I, I feel. Now, going back to the days on the track and field team, uh, there was a famous trip to Vermont where John was left at the hotel by accident. Uh, do you recall this? I, somewhat I do. I, I was, um, my career was um, littered with uh, hijinks. I was more about, uh, 
I think I was more about goofing off than I was about uh, competing. But uh, <clears throat> I remember the trip to Vermont because it was incredibly cold. It, I think it was back in 1970 or 71. Um, we all had individual, we all had our own individual rooms. I think maybe those hijinks were uh, were done parallel to whatever I was doing carrying on. But I'll never forget that. I think it was the only time we went to UVM. And um, a, a curious side note is after the track meet was over, and again, I don't know how well we did or whether we won or lost and make any difference, but there was a group called 10 years after playing at, uh, at the auditorium at, uh, at UVM. And uh, we were able to sneak in the back door and watch a little bit of the concert. And that group became iconic in terms of its uh, attendance at uh, um, the great 1969 Woodstock affair. And so that, that, I don't, I don't know whether that, whether that makes any difference in terms of what John was doing, but uh, um, no, we, we uh, I think that's the bottom line with respect to the experience at Bates. We all had such a good time. Again, I don't remember a tremendous amount of the competitions or what went on. It was, it was hard work and it was good discipline, but it was just those relationships and the times you had together that, that, uh, that made the difference. And John was such a, not everyone was like that. No one can be, but he had such a beaming outgoing personality that you couldn't help. But, and again, he was always in your corner, whether he won a loss or you won a loss, he was always right there with you and a, a perfect classic teammate, really. Great. What well, other thoughts you want to mention about John? Any other memories that you wanted to share? We haven't gone to talk about yet. No, no, just the fact that um, exceedingly proud of him uh, and his career, both at the state level and the local level, and and having and being a, a sort of a um, a leader in terms of being the mayor of both Lewiston and Auburn, giving back to his community, not a surprise, um, taking all his skill sets and applying them to the civic forum and doing such a wonderful job. It was always good to be able to have that Bates connection and say, I knew John Jenkins, and uh, it was it was a, a real thrill to, to to be able to have that to have that link. So I, I really will miss him. Um, not again so much that we were, you know, seeing each other on a weekly or monthly or yearly basis, but just the fact that all those rich memories are still there and will always be there with me. Uh, always going to be a great, a great set of memories for me. All right, John Emerson, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you sharing these memories. Aaron, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, and, and good luck to you and good luck to the Bobcats moving forward. While Jenkins was primarily a sprinter, he did play for the football team as well. His senior season of 1973 was Vic Gatto's first year as the head coach of the Bobcats. The 25-year-old Gatto was the youngest collegiate head football coach in the country at the time. Gatto talks about how he landed the job at Bates and how players, such as Jenkins, helped him start turning a struggling program around. Well, Vic, when you first got the job at Bates, youngest head coach in the country at the time, what was the adjustment like, you know, stepping on campus and that kind of role at at such a young age? Well, you know, I I had... uh spent a lot of time playing football right so so there wasn't uh, much confusion in my mind about what was required on the football coaching side but i had a, i had uh, a young family uh two two kids i was we would have our third kid in lewiston uh and so we, we had a wonderful experience uh i think the strangest thing about the assignment was you know getting the job you know as a private school head football coach at a place called Middlesex School in Concord, Massachusetts. You know, that doesn't really happen. Even in those days, it didn't happen. And even less nowadays that a high school coach gets that kind of elevation. But uh, I had a lot of people on my side, particularly Carm Coza, weirdly the head football coach at Yale. I played at Harvard. Um, We had been rivals for four years. 
but Carmen was the one who called me and said he was going to recommend me for the job at Bates. And I was thrilled. Uh, when I got there, I wasn't sure I was, I was as happy as I, as I thought I was going to be, uh, because we had, you know, I inherited a program that had definitely struggled in those years before, but, but I was really happy to be on campus. Uh, you know, it's a lovely place. Uh, I love Maine. I had, my family had a place on the water, uh, a place called Flying Point, which is in Freeport. Um, so we had been coming to Maine, you know, most of my life to that location. And that's, it was just down the road. In the old days of Lewiston, you know, when it was a shoe uh, manufacturing uh, location, people commuted up and down that, I think it's Route 136 between the coast and, and Lewiston for their jobs all the time. So we weren't that far away. We knew about it and certainly knew what a great reputation Bates had, you know, as an institution. And a very good friend of mine from Harvard, um, was also somebody who recommended me for the job was the head coach at Bowdoin. Uh, his name was Jim Lentz. He was the defensive coordinator at Harvard. I was an offensive player, but I knew Jimmy really well. And we were very good friends. So we became very good rivals uh, when I took the Bates job and he was the Bowdoin coach. But uh, those are the two uh, influences that got me there. And I think uh, in, a, in a funny way, I think I got the job because I, uh, got kind of screwed up in my interviewing process with the committee. And instead of uh, going to lunch with the committee, which was what I was supposed to do, I was supposed to come up and, and have lunch with the committee uh, that was the selection committee and then go for my interview post-lunch. Post uh, but the committee ran long with the, with the morning interview. And I got stuck in quotes uh, with Hedley Reynolds, who was the president. Uh, and Headley and I really hit it off. Um, I, uh, I won't go into all of that. We'll may make, may make sense as we go forward, but um, Headley was a wonderful guy, uh, uh, Middlebury type graduate, was coming to, to Bates, uh, only been there a couple of years and looking to sort of make some changes. So I ended up, you know, seeing Headley and it turned out that the committee was split for two of us as candidates and Headley ended up making the decision. So I, uh, my unfortunate uh, enterprise of, of having to have lunch with the president turned out to be, I think, the, the definitive reason why I got the job. So uh, those are a lot of stray thoughts. I apologize. Uh, when I got there, we had lost a significant number of games in a row, and I, I'd be trying to pull it out of my memory bank. And the second game that we had, we ended up, we won it. So we broke that streak, and I think it was the only game we won that year, but it was nonetheless a happy experience for the guys who were seniors to have an opportunity to at least get a win before they exited Bates. And, you know, then we slowly but surely made progress and got better. Yeah. One of those seniors was John Jenkins, who right. unfortunately recently passed away. Uh, when, I, when I emailed you, you mentioned that he had suffered some injuries that fall, but I mean, tell me about his personality. Cause that's what everyone always talks about is yeah. John Jenkins personality. Yeah. And you know, it's a lot of, a lot of years ago, uh, you know, we all, we, we have enough math that we understand how many years it was, but John is still very memorable to me, right? Uh, and as I've seen, seen some of the articles about him, uh, you know, he had that winning personality, winning smile, super enthusiastic. And as it translated into football, you know, John was, uh, you know, was more of a track guy. Um, you know, he was a very good runner. Uh, and so he had a role, uh, he projected as a, you know, defensive back, wide receiver type, that, that kind of body type. And 
and he certainly would have been a big help on special teams. But he had a couple of injuries that really kept him from playing much. Um, but nobody was more enthusiastic. I can still remember his, you know, his uh, smile when we won that, won that second game. <laughs> I mean, it just was, you know, he, he lit up the room no matter what. And in that particular time, he was a leader on the team, even though he wasn't a star player or anything, he just had that personality. And then as I, as I went forward in my career at Bates, you know, I was, I ended up being assistant dean of the college as well as the head football coach because that was the Headley Reynolds as president vision was to pull athletics into the lifeblood of the, of the school, not have athletics be over here, uh, almost a warring faction, um, you know, with the faculty and with the academic purpose of the place. So I worked hard to make that happen. John was a great symbol of that. I mean, he had friends throughout the campus. He was well-known, well-respected by everybody as a football player. That was, you know, an, an important piece of him, but nowhere near what John was about, right? And, and that was what we were about really as creating that program was to make it be part and parcel of what the Bates experience was for everybody. So the football players were just as critical to the, to the environment. And it, for them, it was, academics was the number one reason they were there. It was, we endorsed that as the coaches and that was all sort of emblematic of what we were trying to say about the Bates experience. John, of course, that later became the mayor of Lewiston and the mayor right. of Auburn after that. But uh, a previous interview I did, the guy described John as um, the mayor of Bates when he was there. Did you get right. that sense? <laughs> no, no doubt about it. I mean, in the dining hall, uh, you know, walking around campus, you know, John was somebody who everybody knew uh, and, and respected. Uh, in most cases, I'm sure they liked him as well. But, but John, I think, in my view, really commanded respect, uh, especially like on the team where typically the respect is given to those who play the best. Uh, that was definitely not the case here. John was respected because he was smart, a leader, somebody who cared deeply about Bates and, and Bates football. And he, you know, he embodied that every day. You know, he'd be out at practice working really hard, even if he wasn't able to play because he had an injury that wouldn't let him. He was somebody who was always there, always working at it hard. Yeah, you mentioned trying to turn around the program because it had, um, you know, had some tough seasons the previous few years. But a guy like John, he's it's key to helping turn around a program like that because of that attitude, right? Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that effectively, that's what you're changing, right? It isn't, I mean, nobody, you know, it's, it's not anybody's fault. Uh, it wasn't the previous coaching fault. It wasn't the player's fault. It's all just a matter of changing the direction, right? And changing people's sense of themselves and, and purpose. And John, as you know, probably uh, from your Bates experience, he embodied that in every aspect of his life, right? He was super enthusiastic. He cared deeply about people uh, and that came through everything he did. And, and so we tried to transmit that same thing because we have the same idea about the world. And John was right aboard that train and, and helped bring, you know, the younger kids particularly, you know, into that notion. Certainly. And then what, what could people who maybe maybe now even people who may not be getting the playing time that are, are they're injured. What can they learn from what you witnessed from guys like John, who were still so, so enthusiastic, even though they weren't necessarily out on the field. Yeah. You know, I, I did my, uh, all my academic work, uh, my doctorate work on the team as a learning environment. I think that that experience for everybody, and I'm not, not just talking about males here, that chance to be part of a team and contribute to the whole 
is a unique kind of opportunity in our education system. It's hard to replicate that in the classroom, although when I taught, I tried to. But I think getting that sense of you know group purpose and, and group dynamics is an important lesson because that's how you become mayor, right? I mean, you don't, you don't become mayor by thinking it's a one-man show, right? I mean, that's just not the way it works. Uh, you know, it's a team building exercise clearly to win and then cl clearly a team building exercise to successfully govern. And John embodied that as did all of the guys really had that experience, that opportunity. It didn't matter if you played as the number one quarterback or you had an opportunity to just be part of the team and, and you know, and be part of the group. Those, those lessons definitely replicate themselves. And John's a great example of that, right? I mean, all the things he did, you know, first black, you know, as a senator, you know, in Maine, I mean, that, that was, a, you know, certainly an amazing tribute to his ability to reach across, you know, racial, ethnic, and every other kind of line. He, he was a winning person. I'm curious, did you get to go to any of his martial arts uh, demonstrations he was famous for? No, I, I know of them and I've seen them online, uh, but I never was able to do it. He, he certainly had that mentality, very disciplined, very smart, uh, able to, you know, sort of, and I think in his own personal way, he also had the ability to, to be balanced about everything, which of course is critical to martial arts. He was balanced in every part of his life, right? I mean, he, he balanced his academics, his social life, his athletic life in, in a very unique way and, and being a, an amazing leader on campus. And he was at the forefront really of you know, social justice movements back then too, right? Absolutely, and, and it was a critical ingredient in everything we did uh, because we, we were recruiting hard to bring you know, different kinds of people to Bates um, and change the fabric of the, of the institution. I'm not just talking about football now, I'm talking about you know, the whole campus. And John was a great ambassador for the school, right? I mean, among all the players that we recruited, uh, whether they're minorities, students or not, John was somebody I wanted them to meet uh, because he was, as you deduced or probably experienced, he was a great ambassador for Bates as an institution, right? As, as a wonderful, caring place. And John could, could both tell you that and embody that. Great. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share that we haven't gotten to talk about yet? I don't think so. I was obviously sad to, to hear the news, uh, but you know, it, it's certainly a tribute to John you know, he lived the kind of life that we'd all like to live, uh, something that was meaningful and mattered uh, to a lot of people, uh, everybody he touched. So it's a wonderful tribute. Glad you're doing this, Aaron, and uh, happy to think about those memories again. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll check in with how some of the fall sports teams are adjusting to the new normal on campus. That's next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates.